This podcast and the following message are brought to you by SmartPixel. Turn your website's anonymous visitors into engaged customers. SmartPixel turns your anonymous website visitors into fully identified first-party consumer data. When this match and identification takes place, SmartPixel can return up to 300 attributes on the consumer. You get name, postal address, email, gender, and date of birth, plus more specific details like home ownership, vehicle ownership, political party affiliation, presence of children in the household, and many more. SmartPixel, real-time information about your website visitors, easy to install, and fully GDPR and CCPA compliant. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash smartpixel. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash S-M-A-R-T-P-I-X-L. And thank you. I speak to you today with feelings of profound sorrow. Throughout her life, Her Majesty the Queen, my beloved mother, was an inspiration, an example to me and to all my family. And we owe her the most heartfelt debt any family could owe to their mother for her love, affection, guidance, understanding, and example. Queen Elizabeth was a life well lived, a promise with destiny kept, and she is mourned most deeply in her passing. That promise of lifelong service, I renew to all today. That was King Charles III in his first address to the British nation Thursday, a day after the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. In a televised speech from the Buckingham Palace, King Charles, who is 73, thanked his mother for the love and devotion she had shown to his family, the UK, and the Commonwealth. Reflecting on the vow Elizabeth made on her 21st birthday in 1947 to dedicate her life to the service of her peoples. That promise of a lifelong service, I renew to you all today, Charles said. Charles automatically became king following the death of his mother. and His new role as head of state will be officially proclaimed in a ceremony in London on Saturday. At the UN COP26 climate conference in Glasgow last year, Charles said the world needed a warlike footing to tackle the existential threat of climate change and biodiversity loss. So I guess the question now is, what can he do now as king? From Autoverse Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Great, as always, to be here with you. So, the Queen is dead. Queen Elizabeth II, the longest-serving British monarch, died this week at the age of 96. And her 73-year-old son will now take the throne as King Charles III, inheriting a vastly different Britain than his mother did seven decades ago. When a 25-year-old Elizabeth first donned the crown in February of 1952, 
Harry Truman was president, Winston Churchill was prime minister, and NBC's The Today Show had just debuted. She ruled during the span of 15 U.K. prime ministers, 14 U.S. presidents, and nearly 30% of American history, providing a stabilizing force during geopolitical upheaval and scandals in the royal family. 80% of all people currently living in the U.K. were born after Elizabeth became queen. Now, Buckingham Palace did not wing this. It had a highly orchestrated plan to announce the Queen's death called Operation London Bridge. The plan began by alerting the current Prime Minister, Liz Truss, as of this week, who told officials in the overseas territories. At exactly the moment, a footman pinned a black-edged notice on the Queen's death to the palace gates, the media began its well-rehearsed multi-day broadcast program, that will celebrate the Queen's life and lead the country in its 10 days of official mourning. Leaders around the world, including President Biden, responded to the Queen's death with condolences and messages of support. But you might want to avoid the Irish TikTok if you are an Elizabeth fan. So what's the big picture here? Britain's already waning. Global influence has hit a nadir after most of its colonies bucked the crown for independence. When Queen Elizabeth II first clocked in day one, Britain held over 70 territories around the world. But at the time of her death, that number had dwindled to 15. And yet the monarchy soldiers on. The British national anthem, which had been sung as God Save the Queen since 1952, will get a one-word edit, God Save the King. And this info, by the way, comes from Morning Brew, the free business newsletter landing in your inbox every morning. Get the daily email that makes reading this news actually enjoyable and support Autoconverse by using our referral link in the show notes or go to autoconverse.com forward slash brew. Stay informed and entertained for free with Morning Brew. And here's an incredible stat that highlights her longevity. When Elizabeth ascended the throne, the UK's prime minister was Winston Churchill, who was born in 1874. The prime minister at the time of her death... Liz Truss was born 100 years later in 1975. So there you go. All right, well, how about some headlines? Let's begin with companies that are making cuts. A couple of episodes ago, we reported on major companies that were doing layoffs. And now, an economy that's stuck in neutral and the threat, and still the threat of recession have prompted companies across all sectors to cut costs by laying off more workers, enacting hiring freezes, and rescinding job offers. A recent survey of 700 executives revealed that an eye-popping 70% of them are planning layoffs or considering to do so, a number that also applies to hiring freezes. But the news isn't all that bad. There are about two job openings for every unemployed person, and hiring increased by 6.5% in August, the first monthly increase since April. Patreon laid off its entire five-member security team, prompting a backlash among LinkedIn members. And here's some high-profile companies making cuts in August. T-Mobile laid off an unspecified number of workers in its network operations and engineering group as part of the restructuring. Bed Bath & Beyond cut 20% of its corporate staff, eliminated its chief operating officer and chief stores officer roles, and will close about 150 stores. Snap, Snapchat's parent company, 
laid off 20% of staff, about 1,300 employees. Ford laid off 3,000 salaried and contract workers in the U.S., Canada, and India. Boston-based Wayfair cut 870 jobs worldwide. Apple laid off about 100 contract-based recruiters. Even HBO and HBO Max cut 14% of staff, which is over 70 employees, after the merger of parent company Warner Media and Discovery. Peloton Interactive cut nearly 800 employees and announced store closures and price increases. Best Buy cut hundreds of store-based jobs. Walmart laid off as many as 200 corporate employees. Robinhood laid off 23% of its staff in its second round of cuts this year. And global software giant Oracle cut an unspecified number of employees in its U.S. customer experience unit. So yes, the list goes on and continues, and economists fear that this could be a sign that we're heading into a deeper recession. Okay, so remember California last week approved a plan to end the sale of new gasoline-powered cars by 2035, making it the first state to try to switch exclusively to electric cars and zero-emission vehicles. But now state officials are telling drivers not to charge their electric cars during the upcoming Labor Day weekend when temperatures hit triple digits for millions of residents, obviously putting a strain on the power grid. And the following week, the California Independent System Operator, which oversees the state's flow of electricity, urged residents to avoid charging their electric vehicles over the long weekend, particularly from 4 to 9 p.m. That is when the state's power grid experiences the highest demand as residents turn on their air conditioning and solar energy production declines as the sun goes down. In regards to charging... Bidirectional charging has been approved for Nissan Leaf in the U.S. The Fermata Energy FE15 charger passed key requirements from Nissan and is now verified to be compatible with the Nissan Leaf and available for fleets. Only problem is if you live in California, that will do you absolutely no good. Let's turn to SpaceX, who's been launching rockets and building their Starlink high-speed internet. Well, Royal Caribbean Group last week revealed it will be the industry's first cruise ship operator to implement SpaceX's Starlink for onboard broadband internet service for guests and crew fleet-wide. The cruise giant said on Tuesday it will immediately begin installing Starlink high-speed, low-latency connectivity on all Royal Caribbean International Celebrity Cruises and Silver Sea cruise ships along with all new vessels for each of its brands going forward. Initial installations are expected to be completed by the end of the first quarter of 2023. The move follows authorization in June from the U.S. Federal Communications Commission for SpaceX to use its Starlink satellite internet network for moving vehicles, including commercial ships, airlines, and trucks, which you may recall we reported on. Royal Caribbean said a Starlink trial on board its vessel Freedom of the Seas received a tremendous amount of positive feedback from guests and crew. Increasingly, cruise ship passengers and crew members are expecting robust internet connectivity for high bandwidth activities such as video calling and streaming. And this comes only weeks after the Federal Communications Commission rejected SpaceX's application for nearly $900 million in federal funding to build out its satellite internet service, determining that it could not deliver the service the funding program requires. 
Rejecting SpaceX's current bid means it will be even longer before a subsidized service could bring more broadband across, uh, broadband access to rural areas. Starlink initially applied for the more than $885 million to provide 100 over 20 mega, uh, Mbps megabits per second to locations in 35 states. The FCC pointed to Ookla broadband speed data from July 31, 2022, showing Starlink speeds have been declining, with upload speeds falling well below 20 megabits per second. The Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, or RDOF, has faced criticism over whether the service providers set to receive the funding can actually deliver on the promised service. Something tells me that SpaceX will figure things out. And here's a fun bit of news. Scientists turned plastic into diamonds in a pretty major breakthrough. The production of nanodiamonds from PET plastic paves the way toward a new form of recycling and even has implications for exoplanets that rain diamonds. This is a pretty neat story. So more than a billion miles away from Earth on the ice giants of Neptune and Uranus, diamonds are forever. This isn't cosmic poetry, but... A reasonable scientific conclusion. We know that under extreme pressures and high temperatures, miles beneath the planet's surface, hydrocarbons are pummeled into a crystalline bling coveted by the F-financed. But on far-flung Neptune and Uranus, the universe's diamond-making process is a bit more curious. Since the 1970s, scientists have believed that diamonds might actually rain down toward the mostly slushy planet's rocky interiors. A diamond rain, if you will. And in 2017, researchers in Germany and California found a way to replicate those planetary conditions, fabricating teeny tiny diamonds called nanodiamonds in the lab using polystyrene or styrofoam. And five years later, and they're back at it again, and this time using some good old polyethylene terephthalate, or PET. And the research has implications not only for our understanding of space, but paves a path toward creating nanodiamonds that are used in a range of contexts out of waste plastic. So yeah, that's pretty wild. Now this occurred back in April. Snap, the Snap, the parent company of Snapchat, had announced a mini drone called Pixie. And it's a mini drone that can act as a camera sidekick when you can't ask someone to take a video for you. It's yellow, it's cute, and it will be available in the U.S. and France for $229.99. There are four pre-configured flight paths. You can tell Pixie to float, orbit around you, or follow you as you walk or run. You select the right mode, press the button, and Pixie takes off from your hand. When you want to stop recording, you just place your hand below the drum. And Pixie will automatically land in the palm of your hand. You know, I was watching uh, Major League Baseball last night on Apple Plus, Apple TV, and they had some some uh, drone, what I thought were drone views, and I could see Pix, uh, this Pixie thing actually being able to do that. Okay, it looks like we have some recalls to look at. General Motors' cruise has hit a speed bump, forced to recall its robo-taxis just a day after getting authorization to operate them in California. And like many companies, GM and Cruise are racing to develop autonomous vehicle capabilities. 
Cruz scored an early victory over its rivals, becoming the first to receive the green light to operate in California. The victory, however, was short-lived. Just a day after receiving its authorization, a Cruise robo-taxi was involved in an accident in which its autonomous systems were to blame. The company is recalling certain automated driving systems, that's ADS. The software may, in certain circumstances, when making an unprotected left turn, cause the ADS to incorrectly predict another vehicle's path or be insufficiently reactive to the sudden path change of a road user. The news obviously is a major setback for the autonomous vehicle company and further illustrates the challenges involved in making autonomous driving a reality. You know, I was thinking the other day, we actually have the technology today to equip cars and intersections. Doesn't mean every intersection, but at least some intersections could be equipped with connectivity with the cars. I think we have the technology now for the intersection to take over cars as they enter the intersection, allowing cars, all cars going through an intersection to be controlled by a centralized computer system. And I think we have the technology for that. It'd be quite a step up in efficiency. And Ford has two major recalls it's working on. It recalls over 277,000 trucks and cars due to rear camera lens issue becoming cloudy, affecting driver visibility while reversing. And Ford by far continues to lead all other auto manufacturers in recalls across the country this year. The recall impacts the 2017 to 27 model years of the F250, 350, and 450 pickup truck models, plus the Lincoln Continental sedan, which all have a 360-degree camera lens attached. And on top of that, Ford recalls 198,000 Expedition and Lincoln Navigator SUVs over a fire risk, possibly originating from the front blower motor. So Ford has not yet identified an exact cause of the problem, but is aware of 25 allegations of vehicle fires in Expeditions and Navigators from the 2015 to 2017 model years. So basically, the affected vehicles will have their blower motors replaced with a revised setup. So if you have a Ford, definitely go see your local Ford dealer and you can get these necessary recalls taken care of. Coming up. Uh, a lot of people feel uh, fear dealerships because they don't understand. They don't understand the process. And if they had someone who can explain the process without necessarily feeling like, oh, you're just trying to get something out of me or you're you're a greasy, greasy, sleazy salesman. No, the dealership is there to facilitate you getting a car. Right. And so that's what I do. I I essentially smooth over the anxiety and take that part away. And you're definitely going to hear my three year old because he just always loves to speak anytime he hears mommy speaking. <laughs> Hey folks, the following health and wellness segment is brought to you by Ask Auto. This is actually an exercise that originally was created to support uh, folks who are in the middle of an anxiety attack or a panic attack. Okay. Um, to really ground them because, you know, those moments are, uh, can be kind of intense. Um, and then people realize, hey, you don't only need to do this when you're in the middle of a, an anxiety attack. You can do this to prevent one because preventative care is the best kind of care. So let's just say you're uh, on a Zoom call all day. 
and then you get off and you're on Facebook or you're on YouTube or you're on social media scrolling and watching something. That's not really you taking a break. And most of us have experienced that before. Now, the reason why it's not considered taking a break is it's it's because you're using the same senses you just were. And so you'll notice in these moments, the best advice is uh, are always, you know, go take a walk, go eat something, go and, uh, you know, close your eyes and listen to music. And essentially what people are saying is, uh, is go use some of your other senses. That was Life Coach Tuzier Lee from B2B Hour on Auto Conversion. Our company blog and website, not to be confused with autoconverse.com, our mobility tech and connectivity blog and podcast that you're listening to right now. Tujur was demonstrating his 54321 stress release exercise, which is something we can obviously do from just about anywhere when we only have a minute and need to clear out our mind and relax. You can visit Tujur on the web by going to www.tujurlee.com. That's T O U G E R. L-E-E.com. Hey, Dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information. You can even set your price. Who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding? Ask Auto. Fast, fun, and rewarding car shopping. Okay, we are back. Uh, Last week, you heard parts of my interview with Mike Columbus, who is a Honda sales professional out in Seattle, talking about what to expect when buying a car today. And in that conversation, we got into what the car buying process looks like in the future. And we're not talking about way down the road in the future, but we're talking about moving forward. And so on the show that week, this was last month, we had Mike Columbus and Kelly Saunders on the program talking about um, what to expect when buying a car pretty much moving forward. I agree. I think that it is changed. I I don't think it'll ever go back to what it was. Um, I think that moving forward in the future, we're going to have more people buying vehicles online, um, more specifically in the metaverse. I think more deals will be closed in the metaverse. Um, And uh, in fact, Jermaine Toyota in Naples, Florida did in fact do their, do an entire car deal from the rooter to the tutor from beginning to end in the metaverse. And it was done successfully. Absolutely. Now Kelly provides a consulting service for car buyers And so you'll hear her talk about the car buying process and how she has had to adapt and help her clients out with buying a car. So what you'll hear us get into are low inventory levels, why you why you see don't do not see cars on on dealer lots these days when you're driving by car dealerships. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think the inventory levels are going to get back to where uh, my dealership, for example, had four to five hundred new cars on its lot. Uh, It's just totally impossible, at least for the next foreseeable few years to come if that was the direction we were going to go. Uh, for my, when I'm reading in trade journals and from what I'm seeing through advertisement from manufacturers, I think they like the model of only one or two uh, vehicles on a lot. You can have a smaller store, uh, less ground space, and with the one or two vehicles you have on your lot, uh, that should be enough for customers to test drive and make their decisions. I will add to that that uh, Mary Barra, 
uh, CEO of GM, she came out and said that this new way of, you know, online orders and Ford is doing the same thing. You know, that's where the manufacturers coming from. They do not see the need any longer to pre-build cars, stock lots. And, and so I think you're right in step with where these, where the manufacturers are coming from for sure. I mean, Ford even said they've already outsold the, the Mach E, the new all electric uh, Mustang for two years without any advertising and they're not even out on the lots. So I guess case in point. Kelly talks about EV tax credits. Essentially, if you're a business owner, right, and you have a brick and mortar location, you do qualify for the federal government's uh, green tax credit of $30,000. Um, and it's on irs.gov. Um, and it is uh, something that is now retroactive back to 2017 if you have never taken advantage of it. So if you have, have a brick and mortar location, you have that charging station, but you never took advantage of that charging port, you now have the ability to do so. And also for some brands, not all, but some brands do still also have that tax credit of $7,500 as well for some uh, EV and PHEV vehicles. And so for some business owners, if they decide to buy that PHEV or EV vehicle in their business's name, they do qualify for that 7,500 as well as if they get that charging station on that brick and mortar up to that $30,000 so they would qualify for up to $37,500 in um, federal uh, tax credits and incentives. And what kind of businesses are you, is your message appealing to? Are, are you speak, is it dealerships that should be setting these up? What other kinds of businesses? So really, any business that has a brick-and-mortar location, I actually helped a nail salon get one attached to their business. It was a standalone nail salon. They got it attached and they are now receiving um, uh, some of those uh, tax incentives. And we set this up last year. So they filed their um, taxes uh, March 15th and they qualified. So it's really any business, as long as you have a standalone brick and mortar location, it's not like you're a virtual office or something like that, then you qualify. Okay, great. And so uh, this might seem like an obvious question, but I assume that the provider, the, the brick and mortar that's housing this, the charging station, that's a revenue source for them too, right? Absolutely. You got it because they can also charge for people to charge their vehicles. Okay. All right. Now, Mike, I'll unmute you. Is your dealership in, installing, do they have charging stations in place at this, at this point now? Yes, we do at each of our, our stores. Okay. How long have those been in place? Some are still going in. Our Kia brands had them for over a year. Uh, our Toyota stores had them for about a year. Okay. And those are, are those also revenue drivers for the dealerships? No, they're complimentary for customers. They are. So they're not, they're not really surcharging the, the, the energy cost, no. the energy price. Okay. No. But other brick and mortars probably would. I would think so. So that begs the question of how does that affect you guys? Maybe I can start with you, Kelly. How is this affecting you? Are you having to scramble? You're obviously having to adopt, but how are you adopting or adapting to these changes? Absolutely. So it's actually easier for me, right? Because um, I get to tap in with dealers nationwide. Um, I never 
uh, would say, oh, you know, let's say this way. I never ostracize a dealership. I never say, oh, no, don't go to a dealer. Only come to me or only go through brokers. That's not it. I think we all need to work together for the greater good. Um, I will say this. It's made it easier for me because majority of what I do is virtual. It is online. And so it gives that comfort of, okay, I can order this car and either have it delivered to my local dealer or delivered to my home. And so it does create a, a lot more ease and transparency, to be honest. Okay, good. Mike, for you, how, is, how are you having to adopt and how is this affecting you? Uh, at my uh, Autoplex, we have 15 different franchises. So uh, over the summer, I've taken the time to become certified in the other brands that we, we can offer. So that's helped uh, widen my base a little bit. Um, as well as building a funnel. It's it's my belief that I, if I have a, a constant new car funnel, one to three cars a week coming in, that's going to help me significantly. A funnel of cars coming in or? or... Uh, yes, a funnel of cars coming in, future, future uh, car deliveries. Okay. And here's where we get in to how Mike and Kelly see the car buying process changing over the immediate few years. I think you're going to have to play a different role in the process. I think we need to do a better job of educating our customers. Uh, the greatest obstacle that we're facing right now at our dealership is, is customers want a constant touch. Uh, we're required to call a customer once a week, which is which can be a, an annoyance to some degree because there's really no new information week to week to week that we have for a customer. But that seems to be our major complaint right now from our customer base um, at least that's what our general managers are getting customers are saying they're not being kept up to date enough on the, on the delivery process okay and and you're saying that really customers need a weekly touch uh, communication from you that's what we're we're being required right now to communicate with our customers i i'm probably two weeks i try to stay in touch with a customer okay what is and I'd be curious on the process itself, the length of the process. Has the length of the process changed for for getting a car? It sounds like it has. I mean, before you could probably, I think the internet reduced the number of dealership visits on average from like six to one and a half, if I recall. I've heard it's even less right now. I heard it's one. Okay. They're going to do their research and then go to the one dealership. And really, do they need the dealership? to order the car can't can we go no. to the manufacturer's site and order it there well that's what's also changed it's much easier now because there's no negotiation on the price uh, our dealership is a no markup over msrp so they can build the vehicle online and uh, the vehicle will be sold at msrp so i'd love to understand the differences between the two of you Mike, you're representing a dealer. You probably have some stipulations or maybe limitations that Kelly might not have. Um, Kelly, your educational process, what do you have to educate people on? What, like, what, do they, what do people need the most education on? Everything. <laughs> so think about it this way. Um, somebody like Mike and even myself, when I was physically in the dealership, we're in the industry every single day right? We see what inventory looks like every single day. We buy and sell cars every single day. For consumers or our customer client base, they do this once every three years, five years, maybe eight or 10 years. That's not something that they do daily. 
And because it's not something that is done daily, it's not necessarily a process that is thoroughly understood. And the world still moves, right? And we live now in this uh, Amazonian society where you can get everything in two days or less. And so now you're forced to explain, hey, I can't get you this car in, in two days or less. I can't, you know, uh, uh, get this for you instantly and, and, and whatnot. And so uh, there's the adaptation, right? We have to adapt to change. Um, and so for me, most of my clients may not have a problem with traveling. They have a problem with waiting. They don't want to wait. Um, they will, you know, if I can, you know, explain to them, hey, look, listen, I know, for example, I know you want this Kia EV6, but it's just not everywhere right now. So you're going to have to wait because the inventory just isn't there. They understand that. Um, but they understand it differently because I am looking nationwide. I'm looking everywhere. I'm not only looking in my state or in my region. I'm literally looking nationwide for a vehicle. So if I'm telling them that within the 50 states, it's not there, then they know that and they trust that. Um, also, one key difference, right, is that I have the time that maybe um, a client needs. If they need two hours or three hours or four hours to actually understand something, I have that. I have the videos and the modules. Even something simple as, as the difference between buying versus leasing. Not everybody understands truly, you know, that there are good leases and bad leases. Leasing is not a blanket, oh, it's great, you know, and right now there are some manufacturers where the leasing, just to be transparent, it sucks. The leasing uh, models are just not aggressive. But then there are certain cars within certain brands where the leasing is great. And it's like, yes, this is a great lease. Definitely take advantage of this. So I think that for me is a little bit of the difference is I educate not blanket, but specific to each individual and what their goals are. I'm also looking at the well-rounded goals, right? Because some people are looking to buy a house in the next six to eight months. If you're looking to buy a house in the next six to eight months, you shouldn't be buying a car right now because it's going to throw things off and they need somebody who's going to tell them, okay, definitely you need a car, but maybe right now isn't the right timing. Let's find another method. Let's look at subscriptions. Let's look at um, uh, rent to own. Let's look at different methods so that we're solving the transportation need. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a one size fits all. Different people have different needs and we should be able to address and assess those needs um, as they come. Okay, final question. How are gas prices affecting car sales, Kelly? Are you seeing people say, yeah, I need... I can't do an SUV. I'm not. I mean, trucks still sell. So, how are gas prices affecting your your business and car sales? Absolutely. So, I, I just had a, a new client come on yesterday, and she wants a Tahoe. So, <laughs> uh, I think um, it changes based on the region, right? In in New York and LA, you know, gas prices are significantly higher than they are in the Southeast. Um, here in North Carolina, gas prices are in the mid. It's a low $3 range. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I think a big part of it just depends on, on where you're at. But, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Georgia, Alabama, that's all truck country, right? Mm -hmm. um, Midwest, so on and so forth. So I think um, some people are okay with looking at maybe hybrid vehicles. They're just not a thousand percent on board with EV only. Um, they're not a thousand percent on board 
just yet with plug-in or electric vehicles only. They're okay with a hybrid. They're okay with their, you know, they love the combustion uh, engines. Uh, so I think it may change how they drive, but not necessarily what they buy, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. I'm surprised that hybrids aren't more on demand right now. Seems like that transition. I know myself, I'm thinking hybrid here. Mike, same question for you. How are gas prices uh, impacting your, your experience with customers as it pertains to cars that you're uh, putting people in? We're seeing a, a huge influx of trucks being traded in for higher gas mileage vehicles, higher MPGs. Um, and in regard to the uh, hybrid, I would say that my inventory of incoming hybrid units are sold out and the supply of gas vehicles or fully gas vehicles uh, you can get just about whatever you want okay all right all right well hey that's a wrap thanks again for tuning in be sure to text the keyword auto converse to 855-766-7585 we will send you a link to our YouTube channel so you can get subscribed. That way, when we do our live show every month, you'll have an uh, opportunity to see that, whether you want to watch it live or the recording. Also send you a link to make sure to get subscribed to our podcast in case you aren't already. And then we'll send you occasional texts once in a while, probably two to three text, texts a month. I don't know if you're keeping an eye on the crypto markets, but like the stock markets, they've been pretty much kind of stagnant. Bitcoin has been hovering above and below the 20,000 per coin mark for several weeks now. And Dogecoin is pretty much right where we left off this time last week at just over six and a half cents a coin. So if you're still holding, hey, to the moon. Take care, everyone. And God save the queen. This is Autoburst Media.